What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Tulsa Lately, your favorite locally-based podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and this is the show where I ride around and talk to all of the businesses and people that make green country awesome. And this is episode 25, which I feel like is a pretty big number, so... Thank you all for joining me, and you know what that means is that there are 24 episodes that came before this that are equally interesting, and I would not want you to miss out on something that you would be into. So make sure to listen to those, look through that back catalog, but for today's Friday episode, I spoke to the founder of the only science shop in Oklahoma, let alone Tulsa, and apparently it's one of the few, if any, in America that are doing what he's doing. So he's a real smart guy, has a serious passion for science. And so we get into how he has turned that into a business as well as this really cool trend of science being cool in culture today. So enough of me, let's just jump right into it. And without further ado, enjoy. All right, so I am here at the Stem Cell Science Shop with its founder and owner, why don't you introduce yourself? I am Terry Mudge, and I opened the Stem Cell Science Shop in 2016. And uh, this isn't your first location, right? You had said, where right. was your first location? Right. We first opened in the Boxyard in downtown Tulsa uh, in de- December of 2016, and we outgrew it rather quickly, so we moved over here in October of 2018. All right, and so what exactly is a science shop? Why don't you explain to me what you guys are? A science store is the place you go for your scientific equipment or supplies or just memorabilia and gifts, merchandise, um, basically like the best version of a science museum gift shop you could ever imagine. That's what we shoot for. Cool, cool. I mean, where does where does the inspiration for that come from? You always been a science guy. Yeah, yeah. I've always been into science. You know, Bill Nye has always been my my thing, and <laughs> uh, I've also always really liked business and entrepreneurship and and the ins and outs of that sort of strategy and everything. And so, um, I really like interesting business ideas and approaches and everything. So, uh, whenever I realized that a science store would be really cool, just as a science. Uh, fan myself um, I started thinking about the business aspect of it and it seemed really interesting and really plausible and really overlooked so I jumped on it I mean with all the television shows and stuff that are coming out I almost kind of feel like science is sexy coming back science is in right now absolutely you're catching a good wave yeah yeah Um, like immediately after we opened was the march for science and that whole you know political science movement and and i think it really helped to uh grow our fan base really early on because we we did jump right in at the right time and rode a wave and it's still going strong i mean uh, as much as i hate big bang theory and stuff like that it's it's bringing <laughs> uh science to the forefront of popular attention i mean look at like the the solar eclipse all that sort of stuff it's causing like a national craze so um yeah we're, we're happy to be doing it right now because right now it seems like the right time and you were saying i mean you've got the brick and mortar location and you like doing this but a lot of your presence is online absolutely um i lost track of the percentages but um the majority of our business shifted to online within the last year um, to where right now the storefront is mostly just for fun. Um, we don't uh, 
necessarily depend on getting people in the door like we used to with the amount of business we do online. Now is, I'm just curious from the business standpoint, is what you sell online, is it a lot of, do you sell to a lot of individual people? Do you sell to a lot of teachers? Do you sell to a lot of, or, you know, like, yes. who, who are your main consumers? Um, so uh, our main consumers online are mostly individuals um, because most of our online business is a subscription box. Really? Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, so we have, um, there's only a few science subscription boxes out there. Most of them are geared towards children, and they can seem kind of juvenile to an adult who's also into science. And then the, the science boxes that are out there that are uh, designed more for adults are kind of disappointing. Um, so we have the one box out there that's made for adults. Um, it's all science. There's no, you know fluff no merchandise no like memorabilia that sort of stuff it's all scientific artifacts it's all uh it's all geared toward adults so it's not talking down at people you know it's assuming you have an entry level of science or you appreciate it enough to do some research to figure some stuff out so there are some heady concepts it's like here's a plastic volcano and baking soda and it's like yeah yeah we would lose so many subscribers if we did something like that (laughs) um so our our subscribers expect actual scientific artifacts and um so because we're one of the only ones that do um, approach it with that that concept um, we've kind of cornered the market on real science subscriptions cool so so let's say that I just start my subscription there what just give me I guess some examples I know a lot of the subscription boxes you know the fun is the mystery so mm-hmm. you know but what, what are some examples of what I might get yeah so uh, some of our most popular items are uh, we try to include a fossil every month, like a dinosaur tooth or a claw of some sort or something. Uh, we try to include a, a man-made material, something very interesting like aerogel or this last month we featured uh, mycelium-based foam. So you could actually grow your own mushroom spores into a foam or some sort of construction material. Um, oh. Sometimes we include uh, a mineral of the month um, and we it's not going to be like your typical ones you see everywhere. You know, we, we find some really exotic minerals and some specimens to include. Um, and then uh, maybe like something from an animal. You know, we, we recently included uh, baculums, which are penis bones found in most mammals, but not humans. Um, and with every item, we include an inf- information card that kind of explains what you're looking at why it's interesting and how it's used in in the world and uh there's usually four to six items uh the value is about fifty dollars a month and um we've got about 500 subscribers at any given moment wow yeah that's cool so i kind of want to go back to a little bit you were talking about bill nye being an initial inspiration for you would you would you kind of credit him and those videos that you watched in school as kind of really getting you interested into science yeah i think so because um he was one of the the few science educators i guess who didn't break the rules of science to explain science so he had a mantra for his show that was i forget exact the exact quote but it's something like 
um, don't make up things in order to explain facts. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly what it is, but basically they're not using like talking animals and they're not, you know, the magic school bus is magic. That's not science. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. So okay. he didn't break rules like that in order to explain things. And he used the world around him to explain things in a really interesting, understanding way. And I think that's why it sort of resonated with me. Um, he's got his flaws too, and not everyone likes him, but that's what got me into it was that that sort of um, logic-based approach to everything. You can explain everything and you can understand everything within the rules of science. There are still some things from those Bill Nye videos that I remember as scientific facts. Like the whole, there was the whole thing about how, you know, the inside of a car that's painted black is hotter in the summer than one that's white and everything. And he had a guy dressed up in black that was all angry. And I I still, I still remember, I still remember things like that. They they stick with you. Yeah, absolutely. So were you always a kid that was excited for dissection day then? No, no. Um, I've always been excited for science. Biology is my least favorite science. (laughs) I I appreciate it from afar, but it's not for me at all. Um, My wife, she's into it. Um, I'm more into outer space and chemistry and physics and just about anything else other than hard biology. Um, So dissection day was my least favorite day of science, but I, I still showed up. Oh, yeah, you got you got to get the grade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I bet so you were excited for that reboot of Cosmos then. Yeah, yeah, it was it was good. I, I liked it a lot. Um, I really like the 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 book by uh, Carl Sagan and the original show. Um, I think Neil deGrasse Tyson did a a good good job. Um, wasn't my favorite, but it was good. It was. He's a good public figure. He for, really is. He, he's really good. I feel like his strength is able to explain things yeah. in a way that's interesting to people. Yes. That wouldn't he, normally be interesting. He is in really it. good at that. His books are super well written. I really like the guy, but man, he has a really... He has this tendency to, to talk down to people, make you feel really <laughs> yeah. stupid. And I love his tweets whenever he's like explaining the fallacies in yeah. some random sci-fi movie. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm all for in the right context, yeah. but he doesn't need to like you know talk down to people. Like that's my own personal opinion, though. Sure, sure. But um, no, he's a cool dude. Um, got a few of his books that I really love, but. Um, the good thing about uh, modern day technology and everything is that you can go on YouTube and there's so many good science channels. You know, mm. if you're not into Bill Nye or Neil deGrasse Tyson or even the old Carl Sagan videos and stuff, there's Vsauce, there's Veritasium, there's Physics Minute every day, you know, Smarter Every Day. There's so many good channels out there that have just millions and millions of subscribers mm. that are putting out good content week on week on week that you never even hear about, but they're, they're so good. It's a valuable resource. And then like, uh, have you seen that Colin, Colin Furs, is that his name? He does yeah. the, just makes all the crazy machines. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah. No, yeah, just anything cool. to use your imagination, like, get creative with the world around you uh, uh, it, it's a great time to be alive for science you know yeah. is there anything that you do on your own time uh, run, not to put you on the spot <laughs> no no running a business is uh, a lot of work um, that is your own especially time. as as much as we're growing and everything but um, lately not really well, you've got a lab right in there that you said someone else uses that you sort of share the space with. Yeah, yeah. Our Can you friend, go into that a little bit? Our friend Tyler Thrasher, he's 
he's a chemist and an artist and he uses chemistry and nature and everything to create his art and he makes some really gorgeous uh, crystallized pieces and right now he's working on synth- synthetically producing opal in the lab mm. um, and he's always got something crazy going on but yeah we share this building and it's kind of fun to have this very scientific environment and bounce ideas off of each other all day okay I feel like I feel like that just this whole setup here is really cool because you know, one of the things that's fun about today is like you were talking about he's a chemist and an artist that wasn't something you really hear about 20 years ago yeah you know you're kind of put into a box either you're the smart nerdy guy that just you know whatever or you're the you know all of the place artists and everything like that and so you guys are kind of bringing two two things together like that yeah absolutely he really found a niche of kind of science-minded creative folks that he's doing really well with and he really likes doing it as far as i can tell it's it's fun we've talked about having the freedom to do more of what you want rather than what box you get put in or whatever Mm. whatever what you you know are forced to end up doing so that's kind of where we're both at we're doing what we want but the world is very accepting of it and it's going pretty well for us both cool seems like it what are uh what are some of your top selling products that people seem to like the most um i know you said you have your subscription box but yeah not counting that we've got a lot of gift type things so things for people who aren't necessarily scientists themselves or they might not need equipment like beakers and flasks and microscopes but they're into science so we've got like t-shirts and we've got pint glasses and whiskey glasses and posters for your home and stuff like that that does really well because there isn't much of a market you know there's not a lot of people putting out scientific things for recreation for decor and for personal consumer good yeah personal enjoyment type science but there's a huge demand for it and a lot of what is out there unfortunately is really tacky and gross and we try to only pick the best of the best stuff that's out there stuff that's accurate stuff that looks nice stuff that's factual so we ended up curating a pretty good selection of these companies that are dedicated to putting out real science consumer goods and so those are some of our best selling things but we also have a lot of fossils and artifacts and stuff that you can't find anywhere else or you wouldn't really even think to shop for until you came into our store and thought oh yeah that would be a really interesting thing to own or play around with or put on the coffee table or whatever so that's that's been really good for us as well cool you know, we're talking about YouTube scientists. I feel like that a lot of them, they have sort of disclaimers of, uh, watch me do this. Maybe don't try it at home, though. Do you have anything that you have sold in the past, maybe that you took off the shelves or something that you sell with a warning label? Because, you know, science is yeah. great, but, you know, sometimes there's stuff that's you want to make sure experts are the ones using it. Yeah, um, we definitely have some things we're cautious about. We've got some radioactive things. Oh, really? Yeah, like uranium ore samples or, you That's know, cool. some some test isotopes for calibrating Geiger counters and stuff like that. They can they can be dangerous in the wrong hands. We've also got a lot of obsidian that we do like to sell, but obsidian is used to make some of the sharpest blades in the world. 
Hmm. Um, they put scalpels to shame. It's just, really? it, it can be so impressively sharp. So we're kind of careful with that. And then we had a couple of Elon Musk's flamethrowers. You um, mean the not a flamethrower? Right, yeah. They weren't flamethrowers at <laughs> all. They're not a flamethrower. They, um, <laughs> yeah. That we, was so great. We had a couple of those and uh, we sold them with some disclaimers not to hold us responsible or anything like that naturally other than that there's not too much we don't get too dangerous around here but sure there's a lot of science that's that's pretty safe i am kind of curious though because you were talking about how you had some milder radioactive materials does buying anything like that for your inventory do you does that attract any attention from any alphabet Agencies. It depends. Uh, I think you're legally allowed to own up to something like five grams for educational research purpose. That's on the consumer level. Institutionally, you're allowed a lot more. I don't remember exactly what the quantities are, but but yeah, at some point it gets suspicious. We haven't reached that point. Okay. And we go through suppliers that are pretty reliable and legitimate. You know, it's nothing like a shady eBay deal or anything like that. So we're not breaking any laws yet, but we're definitely being careful with what we have so that we're not hurting anyone in the process. Have you looked into what the licensing process is for kind of getting to that point of... Not that like this is your main goal. I don't mean to like focus on this. I just I always yeah. like to ask about licensing restrictions and yeah. stuff. Yeah, restricting. I looked into it when we were first opening, so a few years ago. I haven't looked into it much recently, just because we haven't needed to cross that line yet. But sure. I definitely would if we were approaching that line. Okay, what do you see is one of the biggest things that, or one of the biggest difficulties? that the scientific community is facing right now as a whole? That's a big question, but... Um, misinformation. So the internet's great, and it's a huge, powerful resource, and we love it, and it's why we're in business and everything, but with that comes a lot of junk information. People who just trust whatever they read on the internet, just the most ridiculous nonsense that they come in here telling us about, and we flat out tell them, no, that's wrong, that's here's the correct information and people just refuse okay. it because they read it on the internet, you know, um, but I can pull up study after study from legitimate source and that's what really matters. But some people just, just are, are in that misinformation hole where mm. they're digging so deeply. They're, they're finding what they want to find rather than the facts and everything. So I think that's the biggest challenge right now is there's a huge pile of information right in front of us and we have to sift through it and figure out what's real and what's not. I feel like there's a problem with a lot of people want to find danger in things like they find you know it's almost like a selling point to act like that there's danger in something you know say that we don't have that like I'm, I'm i'm actually specifically referencing this instagram post that i'd seen where you, it was some ad for like a couch or a couch cleaning yeah. thing or something that it said chemical free yeah like um this thing is chemical free. <laughs> there's a lot of non-science out there chemical free is probably my favorite one i i try yeah. to point it out every time i see it because it doesn't make sense everything in the universe that you can touch is matter and matter is made of atoms and atoms are chemicals everything mm. is chemicals so there's nothing that's chemical free what they're meaning is there's no harmful chemicals used in the process but they come out and just say chemical free right. and that's just alarmist it's 
it's honestly just a, a selling point, a buzzword. My favorites are when they talk about the chemicals that are in it and then right out beside it, they put that it's also chemical free and it's just, it can be really asinine sometimes, but that it works on a lot of people and we, we just need, we're doing our part to make everyone just a little bit smarter where they don't necessarily need these little buzzwords and things like that in order to purchase a product you know maybe a product should stand on its own merits Hmm. or maybe it should just come out and say no harmful ingredients used or something more logical you know that's that's all it really comes down to is they need to say what they mean rather than something that people know means what they are saying right where do you fall with say the organic and non-gmo kind of stuff like that where do you Where do you fall when you see products marketed like that? So I do a lot of research on these sorts of things and I don't always have the most popular opinions because I have opinions backed up by research. So GMOs are harmless. Yeah. GMOs are, in my opinion, a good thing. They're helping feed the world. They're helping produce more bountiful crops, more resilient crops. GMOs can be used in a poor way, but as far as food and everything like that, I think GMOs are good. I think non-GMO food is just fine. It's just not as efficient at feeding the entire world. Mm. As far as organic, there's a lot of debate on that. I think most of the time it's just used as a word to make more money. There are organic standards that farming has to live up to in order to be called organic. They're not always better. Most cases, it's either about the same amount of harm to the planet, some am- some are a little worse just because of all the processes that the, the ground has to go through being torched and all the plants mm. and all everything that has to be done in order to be called organic itself can be harmful. So I tend not to spend the few extra dollars on something that's organic if it's gonna break even as far as the entire uh, ecosystem goes. Okay. I heard something and I've said it to a few people and now I feel like it might be my chance to make sure that it's not BS. But I heard that every plant and crop needs pesticides. It just that's just how it is. And so if you're certified organic, you use organic pesticides. But because they're organic, they're less efficient and they actually end up putting more pesticides on the plant than if it was is yeah. that have you is that is that a I've, I've told that to people yeah. and now i'm like oh man was that an internet thing i, I read or <laughs> I, I don't know for sure i haven't okay. looked into that exactly fair enough but look at you not making a yeah, not making a public no, opinion without knowing if i don't know <laughs> then i'll say that i don't know but right. Maybe I, def- I should start saying that i think that's worth looking into if you can find a study and the study's done well and it's backed up by people who aren't financing it out of a conflict of interest Mm. then i think it's worth retelling people so that they know but if it also could have been an article funded by roundup exactly exactly (laughs) that's what you really have to pay attention to is where's the money coming from who's wanting this study to be done yeah Um, if it's for like a college or something somewhat unbiased then i think that's pretty useful information because what I had heard is that GMO is just a technology like anything else. Like you were saying, sometimes Absolutely. it's good. It's just like any other technology. It can be dangerous. Absolutely. It can be really good. Yeah, and with any inherent technology, it comes with an inherent risk of people using it poorly. Mm. Um, I heard a good analogy the other day 
in regards to like CRISPR going wrong and stuff like that with genetic. Which, real quick, do you want to explain to people? Because yeah. I've heard of that, but um, so yeah, CRISPR is the latest or one of the latest genetic modification tools that's being used more and more to get better outcomes for plants and everything, but it's also useful for humans. Um, There's a lot of people trying to figure out how to use it to just remove genes that might be prone to causing certain diseases from humans. So there's, and there's a big concern about designer babies and, you know. Are we playing God? Yeah. Kind of thing like that. So there is risk of danger, but someone said the other day that, you know, even stairs have a risk of danger. Cars have a risk of danger, you know. I could throw a book at your face and it would hurt, but that doesn't mean it should be outlawed because there's a lot of good that can come from these things. So there is a risk, but reward outweighs the risk. And I think in the right hands, GMO technology is by far worth it. Hmm. So Hmm. that's where I stand. Cool. I mean, that seems pretty reasonable to me. Well, do you, I mean, do you, do you all put on events or do you have any specials or anything you'd like to promote that's coming up? Yeah. So we do a monthly event down the road from us at Heirloom Rustic Ales Brewery. Yeah. I've um, been there. Yeah. So we do a monthly think and drink event. Um, it's basically our version of a TED talk. We have a presenter each month. They talk about um, something scientific because usually the presenter is a scientist themselves and this is their chance to tell the public about their job or their passion or their their pet projects they're working on and we do that once a month and this upcoming month will be one about archaeology and we have a, a former archaeologist coming out to tell some of his favorite stories from when he was in the field we've had paleontologists uh we've had chemists from tu who use the you know multi-million dollar electron microscope that they have tell us how it works and everything wow we've had a lot of really interesting people just from tulsa talk about really interesting scientific stuff and uh it's very casual it's not as maybe stuffy as a ted talk it's more discussion oriented we try to have a Q&A back and forth so that it's not just a bunch of information being told to a bunch of people. It's actually people trying to absorb hmm. and try to understand from the scientists the, kind of the cutting edge of what's going on in science, especially in Tulsa right now. Hmm. Well, that's cool. Wow, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, it's and a lot of fun. I'm sorry, when did you say that you have that? You said you have them once a month, and so yeah, when's the next one coming it's up? It's once a month. It's every uh, second Thursday. It coincides with a little art walk that we do here in Kindle Whittier. So every second Thursday, the next one's going to be early July. I don't remember the exact date. Sure. But it starts at 6.30 in the evening, and it's usually a packed house at Heirloom. Awesome. And, and where can people find you online? We're on Facebook, Instagram, all of those. Our events are usually posted on Facebook, Instagram. What's your website? Cause you s- yeah, yeah. We're, our website is stemcelltulsa.com, and our subscription website is boxofmatter.com. And we also just started a new subscription for people who don't necessarily want hard science stuff, people who do want the the memorabilia and the merchandise we started atomic post for that oh cool cool so that's brand new and our first uh shipment goes out in a few days and uh we're looking forward to watching that one grow too yeah sweet i mean you you've clearly built up 
quite an awesome thing for yourself right here. So congratulations on that. It's so cool. I mean, I just kind of feel like that a lot of people wouldn't have thought of a way to turn a scientific passion into a business like this. I think that's really unique and really creative. It's been a lot of fun. You got a you got a message for the kids? Don't believe everything you hear on the internet. Don't be afraid to fact check. That's for sure. Well, that's definitely a message for everyone. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Absolutely. And that wraps it up for today's episode of Tulsa Lately. Once again, you can find him at the Stem Cell Science Shop on Facebook, as well as at Stem Cell Tulsa on Instagram. So I just finished up an interview, which I will be releasing on next Tuesday, with the 2019 chair of the Route 66 Commission in Tulsa, which, quite frankly, I didn't even know was a thing until he messaged me, and it seemed interesting, so I went and talked to him, and I didn't really know what to expect, but it was it was really cool. We talk a lot about, you know, the history of the highway as well as how that works into Tulsa's history, and yeah, it was a real treat. So look forward to that. You can find me, of course, at Tulsa Lately on Instagram, as well as Tulsa Lately on Facebook, and my website. I do have a Patreon up, and I've also got a donate button on the website that I'm putting up soon. Should be there by the time that this episode airs. So if you're interested in contributing to the show, there are a couple ways to do that. Now, if you or a friend or anyone you know would like to be featured on the show, please don't hesitate to send me a message on Facebook or Instagram or my email, which is TulsaLately at gmail.com. And, well, I guess that's it. So, green country, Tulsa and surrounding areas, I'll see y'all around.